What's going on? You're listening to Pick 6. I'm Nolan King. joining alongside Jeff Wall and David Crosby behind the glass as always. It's going to be a quick show for you, some quick hitters. But guys, Thursday Night Football, a little recap. Obviously, the Houston Texans come out on top 20-17. to 17. How about the duo? Will Fuller the fifth and DeAndre Hopkins. That really stood out to me. Hopkins, two scores on the game. Fuller, seven catches and 140 yards in his return to action. But I, I think the thing overshadowing this game is maybe a missed call, which could have affected you know the end result. David, you were a little upset after this. I mean, that was an egregious mistake. You cannot allow a game to be determined because you're not willing to review a fumble like that. And when you looked at the replay, all it took was three seconds to see that ball was clearly out well before he hit the ground. I, I don't know. I, I hate that the games are delayed by hours on a weekly basis for reviews, and they can't review this play. And the thing was, you kind of heard um, Pereira say, ah, there just wasn't enough evidence. But why not? Like, clearly Darius Leonard stripped the ball from Deshaun Watson. It just didn't make sense to me. Something that overshadowed the game as well. I thought the coaching of the Indianapolis Colts was really rough. Houston's 29th against the pass, and they ran it like tried to run it down their throats and it wasn't working. So the one thing that Houston's actually okay at, it just didn't make sense. And I know Jacoby Brissett isn't that talented. Why not try a deep shot? You didn't see that at all. Like I know Ty is a little banged up. Get him and run a seam right down the middle. Oh, just that was definitely um pretty annoying to watch when I was watching the game. Deshaun Watson definitely a better game. Uh, then against the Ravens, he was terrible um, against Baltimore, and we remember that 41-7 blowout. But, you know, moving forward, let's talk about the playoffs a bit. Jeff, I'll come to you on this one quick. It, it, there's a clear, you know, one-two frontrunner. You got New England, you got Baltimore. Baltimore, New England, doesn't really matter. If you're, you know, an opponent of Houston or Indianapolis, who scares you more come playoff time? That's even if Indianapolis grabs a wild card. If you're, yeah, so if you're, who are you scared of more? I would say... I would say I just think Deshaun Watson can make more plays. I just th- if I'm if I'm looking at those two, I think Deshaun Watson can break a game open mm-hmm. and not like the 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 Colts are a more complete team, but there's no one that really scares me on that team, even defensively. Yeah, I don't think the Colts are even going to make the playoffs at this point. I don't think people need to worry about being worried about the Colts because they're just not going to be there. With Marlon Mack out for at least another week or two after this, you mentioned how the run game couldn't get going with Williams back there. I just think even though they're still second in the division, they're not going to take a wild card spot here. So it'll be interesting to see if Houston can be more consistent as the year goes on. They clearly miss J.J. Watt. Their defense is really not that scary. And that's the thing that kind of sticks out to me is, uh, you, you know, we might go uh, triple crown here and just all say Houston. Indianapolis might scare me more. And the reason for that is Houston's defense is so bad. And you saw that against Baltimore. Baltimore absolutely torched them through the air on the ground. And if Deshaun Watson faces a bad defense, it's, it's game over because he's unbelievable. But against a, a good defense... He makes mistakes, and we saw that a little bit last night, too. He had nice a couple nice passes to Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins, but still some mistakes. He tried to, you know, thread the needle, and it just ended up being an interception. There was a few times it could have, you know, been a second interception, and that's what kind of worries me. We remember they faced Indianapolis in the playoffs last year, and he ended up losing. They ended up kind of getting smoked in Houston, too. Either way, are we going to label Houston as a pretender? I'll I'll start. I I I don't think there's a chance they make it to the Super Bowl. I think there's two teams, right? And and, it, and I'm wiping away Kansas City. Uh, you know, 
I, Oakland, I'm sorry, you're gone too. I think it's clearly Baltimore, New England. Are we all in the same boat? Yeah, I think so too. I don't think there's anybody that can really stop those two. Who who really can break down that Baltimore defense or that New England defense other than Baltimore, right? I mean, there's really nobody else. Well, I'll tell you who can break them down, and it probably isn't going to be Houston, but if they did face either of these two uh, teams in the playoffs, especially the Ravens, this is what you need to do to beat the Ravens. Your defense has to get off the field. Their two losses came in week four and five. In week four, or excuse me, three and four. In week four, they lost 40-25 to Cleveland. They have the third best third down defense in the league. And the time of possession was basically split. The previous game, they lost to Kansas City 33-28. You'd think that was a classic shootout. But Kansas City, maybe the only good thing their defense has, 13th ranked third down defense Mm -hmm. and somehow still Baltimore had three more minutes of possession but they had to convert three of four fourth downs to keep that game going so if you let Baltimore grind you down and possess the ball for more than 35 minutes a game which they tend to be closer to 40 minutes a game which is insane in some of their wins uh, you're going to lose to this team. And and that's what I why I'm so frustrated with the Dallas Cowboys because that's the style I think they're built to play, the one the Ravens play, and that's controlling the ball. The other team can't score if they don't have the ball. And, and that's still a pretty small sample size. Weeks three and four, Lamar's gotten much better since then. This defense has added Marcus Peters, so that secondary shored up quite a bit. Uh, let's move on. Probably the story of the NFL over, you know, since last Thursday was the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph fight. Some other stuff has come out. Larry Ogunjobi, uh, that suspension's upheld. So, uh, or sorry, did he grab another game? No, it's still one, right? Uh, Marquis Pouncey, that one was lowered. So he originally got three games. It's down to two. Mason Rudolph, I think they're still working out the fine. It was originally 35000 I think they're going to find him more. Miles Garrett, he's still suspended indefinitely. Uh, I think we all disagreed with that suspension off the bat. We thought maybe it'd be six, and I think uh, David was even saying four. But other news has come out about this. Miles Garrett is claiming Mason Rudolph has used some racial slurs. And when that news came out yesterday, I was kind of hit or miss about it because I, I think there was, to, to me at least, if someone was to say what supposedly Mason Rudolph said, why would you apologize in the first place? And then David kind of countered back and said, maybe he's just trying to be the bigger person here. And it's just a very odd scenario all around. And I think, so to say it, I think the NFL is messing up again. I totally agree, and the timeline is very interesting on this. We we rehash this in depth. If you haven't listened to our last episode, go check it out, what happened in this situation. So basically, after this all went down on Thursday Night Football the previous week, uh, Miles Garrett was asked point blank at the press conference, did Mason Rudolph say anything to you to sort of start this off? And Miles Garrett didn't say no. He said, go check the tape. I'm not going to go comment on it. You go look at it. So that's important to keep in mind because after this got released, which by the way, Miles Garrett did not release this to the press. This was leaked from the NFL's hearing with him, which is another huge issue. We get this stuff, these details leaked all the time. Basically, Garrett said, I was told that this would be a place I could speak openly and honestly, uh, and that might explain why he didn't say it immediately after the game. Also, don't forget, Baker Mayfield came out and said, listen, there's no place for that. There's absolutely no excuse for you to take a penalty like that. 
isn't it reasonable reasonable that Miles Garrett was maybe not trying to deflect any of the blame onto Mason Rudolph, and he was basically saving that to tell the NFL? I don't understand why that's so hard to believe. Another thing that is extremely strange is before that, Mason Rudolph, unprompted, said, I, he, uh, I didn't say anything to, in, in, to instigate him. And he stuck by that after the fact. But rather than Mason Rudolph coming out and refuting these accusations, they released something through his lawyer first that yeah. basically said, you know, this is a complete lie. That's basically all the statement said. This is a lie. It's totally fabricated. And this is the last we are going to comment on it. Nolan told me, you know, we were speaking after the fact. Apparently, Mason Rudolph also had a written apology. Uh, but correct me if I'm wrong, this didn't actually talk about him whether or not he said it he was just apologizing is that correct he was yeah about the whole situation he was apologizing to the art rooney family and the Steelers organization said you know this and that oh i, I didn't play how you know a Steelers quarterback supposed to play and i didn't react that way he's messed this whole situation he still looks bad like miles garrett messed up we know that and i'm sorry Mason Rudolph looks worse because of the way he's handling it and he's getting his lawyer and his agent to do everything man up I couldn't listen. I couldn't agree more. And this is another thing that kind of irritates me about this. And I'm not saying that Mason Rudolph said this. Let me just say that right out and clear. There is no proof of Mason Rudolph ever saying this. But from my perspective, when I look at the entire picture, I think it's more likely he did say something than didn't. Miles Garrett took a punch from a fan to the face, unprovoked, just weeks before this game, and he didn't react. He posted a joke about it on social media. To anybody, does this seem like a man who would overreact in a situation he's probably been in thousands of times in his football career if something wasn't said to provoke him further? Something else interesting, Mason Rudolph said the reason he initially pulled Miles Garrett's face mask, and if you watch the tape, he clearly tried to rip his helmet off, was to get Miles Garrett off of him. If anybody thinks about that reasonably, if you're trying to get somebody off of you, you would never pull them towards you by the face mask. So Mason's already lied to me. When I look at this, I think there's some serious doubt uh, as to whether the NFL is correct of whether there's there's no proof of this. I hope they investigate it further. Crosby's got the steam coming out of the ears, and I like it. I love the take, too, and I, I agree, Jeff. It's, they keep messing this up. Are you almost siding more of Miles Garrett now? Oh, yeah, big time. I, I Like, every, every step of the way, and look, like you mentioned last week, Noel, you know, I'm not exactly, you know, against a little bit of violence here and there, man. You know, that's just the nature of, of us human beings. You know, we 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 scrap a little bit. And, you know, in my eyes, like, Dave, that was the best example you probably could have given. You know, someone literally coming up to you and punching you in the face. And also, great point, why would you bring a man closer to you if you didn't want to say something to him? You may, you probably did mm. want to say something to him if you were pulling his face mask towards you. I mean, the only thing I can see Mason Rudolph even getting mad about is, like, how he, uh, Garrett kind of hits him and then throws him down. Like, he's in an aggressive mode there. I just think it's pretty clear where 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 it seems that this is heading um and i think you, you guys are probably right like you know if you've ever been in a situation when you've been discriminated against or anything like that sometimes a lot of people and i think it's kind of a softy i think at heart in all honesty it's one of those situations where he kind of felt like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to completely slam the sky. I know that may not get me anywhere at all. So let's just take it one step at a time, go to the NFL, see what they have to say. And he probably just didn't like their answer. And that's why you see this now. 
Yeah, and listen, just quickly, this is what I want from Mason Rudolph. Because if I was in his, his situation and I didn't say anything, you can be damn sure I would be getting in front of every microphone somebody would put in my face and making it clear I would never use any language like that ever. So Mason Rudolph needs to come up and explain his side of the situation. If he sticks to his story, great. Maybe I will believe, you know, a little bit more coming from his side of this. But another factor, Michael McCann from Sports Illustrated. Anything legal, I will go to this guy and read it. He is super smart. You got to check out his most recent article. Mason Rudolph, if this is a complete lie, this is grounds to sue for slander. And mm -hmm. if I'm Mason Rudolph and somebody is saying that I'm using derogatory and racial slurs towards people, and that's not true, I'm taking this guy to court because this is a quarterback, a potential face of the franchise if he takes over from Big Ben. If you think about the ramifications, not just on his personal life, but on the amount of money that he could make in endorsements and sponsorships going forward, I would expect he'll pursue this further if it isn't the truth. And that's the thing, Miles Garrett would be suspicious suspended probably longer and that's why I think the NFL a little bit they don't want it to turn into that and it got ugly right so we have the fight on the field which oh it's turning into a violent sport blah 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 and now it's getting you know into a racial issue which is going to cause it to be even worse and to me there's nothing and I'm agreeing with both of you there's nothing Mason Rudolph could say other than what Miles Garrett is claiming that would set him off like that and you're destroying mall game. Mason Rudolph's having one of the worst performances of all time. He was terrible in that game. We all know that. Miles Garrett hits quarterbacks for a living. You know, they get up and, you know, they talk their smack. In order for that to happen, in a moment like that where Garrett knows he can get in trouble for it too, something had to be said. He didn't say, you suck. He didn't call him the B word, which we already saw Mason Rudolph said to Larry Ogunjobi after he pushed him down, which, uh, big deal, whatever, big whoop. But for Garrett to go above and beyond... Rudolph had to go above and beyond too. That's just my two cents on it. Yeah, and that, you know it's funny. There's a situation obviously here in Canada uh, where you know the sports that had to make the call to let go of Don Cherry, and it's just one of those situations where I think you know it, racism obviously has been a massive problem for God knows how long, right? And the NFL should be taking a stand against this. If, if, if Miles Garrett came to them and said, "Hey, look, there was a racial slur that that got me to react like this. I apologize for my actions, whatever." You know, if it, they should go investigate this and be like, "Look, Mason, did you say this or not?" Like, like we we can they can definitely pull up audio. I'm sure of that. How does it take six months? to figure out whether a football was deflated, but within six hours, the NFL can determine that a racial yep. slur wasn't uttered. Like, the NFL is notorious for dragging investigations on and on and on. I felt like the second I got this news, it was already released that the NFL was saying this didn't happen. So I feel like they need to launch a full investigation and investigate this as ferociously as they do every other issue in the league. Yeah, we'll digress because we, we really do need to move on, but I love everything we we're saying and uh obviously you know if this continues we'll talk about it on the next podcast but guys let's actually um let's talk quickly first of all I i'm done with the panthers i know i've been talking you know how much i yeah. <laughs> like the panthers and uh you know their defense it, they look terrible they looked really bad but atlanta looked good so i guess it's like a bright spot because atlanta was supposed to make it to the nfc championship for me uh guys quickly uh quick hitters all around the board who's in a must win position this week jeff get me started I think it has to be the Pittsburgh Steelers because, you know, the Colts with that loss, I think the, it, everybody, it's kind of like, you know, we got like the Raiders and the Colts and the Steelers all kind of in that position. They're teetering, right? The Steelers got to somehow get back into this, especially after that disaster against Cleveland. 
And they're facing Cincinnati and Pittsburgh's without a lot of starters. I think Juju's out, Deontay Johnson's out, James Conner might be out, and we know Mason Rudolph isn't a really good quarterback, so that actually might be tighter than most people think. Yeah, that's a great pick, Jeff. And listen, just before I give my Nolan, I'd like to say welcome to the Panthers hating an unbelievers wagon because you know I like when we're on the same page, man. And as much as I like to argue, it's great to have you over on my side. It is a must win this week for Buffalo. They are 7-3 and three hosting the absolutely terrible Denver Broncos. The Patriots, Eagles, and Browns beat the Bills by an average of nine points in their three losses. The Bills beat the Giants, Bengals, Titans, Redskins, and Dolphins twice by an average of 9.6 points. So when they play good teams, they lose big. When they play bad teams, they win big. It's time to prove it. You're playing somebody good. Win this game, Buffalo. Love both the picks. Uh, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. And obviously Crosby hates them being a Cowboys fan, but Cowboys have a tough matchup this week against New England. I think that could actually go either way. That it's in Foxborough really helps, actually. But... Philadelphia at home against Seattle Seahawks, who are obviously one of the most talented teams in football. You lose this, you go to five and six. That week, what is that, week 16 matchup against the Cowboys is going to be insane then. Don't you put these demons on me, I'm sorry, Nolan, I'm sorry. Because you know Jason Garrett in the last game yeah. of the season in a must-win cannot get it done. So please do not tell me that's going to happen. So I'm, I'm going to lock it in right now. Eagles win this game, pull off the upset. They win the division. If they lose, they're done. They're not going to the postseason. Sort of put it at that. But guys, we'll obviously move on with some, a little bit of fun. Two, we're going to talk about the 2018 NFL Draft, and we're going to do a little bit of a redo, uh, mock snake draft, and we were in that position. Obviously, we know Baker Mayfield went number one, but there might be a, you know quite a few takers who Cleveland would actually t- pick instead of him. So, Crosby, get me started. 2018 NFL Draft. Your team is now on the clock. Who are you picking number one? Listen, this was really hard for me. I'm taking Lamar Jackson, and I went back and forth between Quentin Nelson and Lamar Jackson. If I'm just about any other team in the league in this war room, I'm taking Quentin Nelson because he's that special. But the Cleveland Browns, with what they had entering that NFL draft, no doubt they had to take a quarterback number one overall to make sure there was still a good guy on the board if it got to the fourth pick. And that guy is Lamar Jackson. He is bar none the best quarterback in this draft. Yeah, I would have taken Lamar uh, number one as well. I think Jeff would have done the exact same thing. New York Giants, I, I, I could pair Baker Mayfield right now with Odell Beckham Jr., which they have right now included, but I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to pick the best player in that draft, and that's Quentin Nelson, who you were thinking of taking that number one. Uh, maybe Eli would still be the starting quarterback right now because that offensive line was terrible, but Quentin Nelson's unbelievable. And I, I mentioned this the other, uh, the other day, I think, if you could t- pick any player in the NFL to put on your team, uh, as a Vikings fan, I would pick Quentin Nelson over anybody. That's just how good he is. Jeff, you're the New York Jets right now. Who are you picking number three? I think we got to go with Baker Mayfield because I think I mean you've mm. seen what he can do in Cleveland. I wouldn't he be a star in New York? I think there would probably wouldn't be any other guy that would be able to handle the pressure of New York and be able to do a, a lot with so little talent. Okay, all right, all right. So I, I like the pick. I actually would have gone a, a different route here if I was you know, New York, and obviously we're doing a little bit of a snake draft, and we're going to go 10 picks actually now. So, Jeff, you're back on the clock for Cleveland. We'll see who Cleveland takes. I guess they would have taken Lamar Jackson one. Who do you got Cleveland taking at four? I got Bradley Chubb. 
Okay. I, I think the idea of pairing him with Miles Garrett, it just it just makes me salivate. I would absolutely have loved to see it. And then imagine that. You got Lamar Jackson on the other side. And think about the all the offensive talent that they kind of have sort of built over the past few years. Right? Obviously, they wouldn't have OBJ in the first season. But I think Lamar could have developed into a, a great quarterback as well in Cleveland just with all the skills that he have. And I'm personally, I think right now, if, if, imagine the scenarios were flipped a little bit. I think that they would be in a much better situation with Lamar Jackson. So now, uh, yeah, oh, Bradley Chubb's good too. That's a good pick too. Now I'm at five. So I got Denver. So many good players on the board here. Um, you know what? And I, I hate to do it. And I hate to do it because I've been crapping on this guy for so long. Denver needs a quarterback. Case Keenum wasn't the answer. I got to go, Josh Allen. Give me Josh oh Allen goodness. over Sam Darnold. And guys, it, Josh Allen's having a pretty good year. And I know you don't believe. Why? Well, Crosby's going nuts over here. I just can't believe it, man. You know that John Elway would not be able to resist Sam Darnold, right? So you'd have to lock him out of your draft. Right? Hey, who's the bigger quarterback? Who's got the bigger <laughs> arm? You don't know which way John Elway would have gone. And I don't mind. Can you imagine a run game? Him, Philip Lindsay, a little bit more read option than they should do in Buffalo. You know, I'm going to put it down on the board. I'm, I'm typing in Josh Allen, uh, you know. A uh, listener, Aliyah Hazard-Bedroma, would really like that pick there over uh, Sammy Darnold. So I guess that gives you number six. Indianapolis, ton of players available. Boy, that's the shock of the draft, Nolan. I got to say, this is a really tough sure. pick. I would go with Derwin James. I feel like nice. a- a picking all the best players left on the board, I think it has to be Derwin James. Man, Saquon Barkley is still yep. out there, and he might be the most talented player, but I don't think uh, I don't think they could walk away from James in that position. Uh, Derwin James, I actually had originally uh, going number four to Cleveland. That's what I had, so I like the pick of Derwin James. Uh, and that was Indianapolis, too. That's him and Malik Hooker there in the secondary. That's pretty wild, but you get to go again. So obviously we're doing the snake, so you can pick the number seven pick. Well, for Chicago, I mean, they would likely want to go defense, but I would switch it up and go Saquon Barkley. Seeing him... Was seven Chicago? Or I thought seven was... uh... Is it not Chicago? Oh, no, it is Buffalo. Excuse me. My mistake, it is Buffalo after that. My bad. I jumped ahead, boys. I got a little excited. But you know what? For Buffalo, I would keep my pick. He's still the best player on the board, and I would still go with Saquon Barkley there. No, and and that's a good pick as well. Yeah, that's... uh, Now Saquon's gone. Geez, there's still one guy available. And, uh, Boys, this is a loaded draft, is it not? Like it's We're crazy seven deep, and we just took arguably the best running back in the NFL. Okay, so now Chicago at eight. Chicago's such a good defense, too. Um, We're assuming we don't know tr- that Trubisky is terrible yet, right? <laughs> I know, that's the thing. I mean, they should know, but no. <laughs> no, that's, know that's why like, I could go quarterback, but I'm not going to. Um, let's go another corner. I'm going to take Denzel Ward. And I think him and Fuller would be a really nice one-two punch. And you already have, um, yeah, in the secondary there, you know the guy. Why am I? Oh, Eddie about? Jackson? Yeah, Eddie, Eddie Jackson and Adrian Amos at the time. Yeah, that would have been unreal. That would be really crazy. That secondary would be nuts. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like the pick. I'll take Denzel Ward at eight. So that leaves in the ninth pick. That was San Francisco, right? Yes, sir. Okay, San Fran. Man, ah, uh, wow, this is tough. But when I look at what we got here, you know, I think Minka Fitzpatrick would have made a really good safety 
in back there, especially nice. with that defensive line. And then imagine that they get that 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 you know the back that back end there, and then you get Joey Bosa the next year. Could you imagine how good that defense would have become? A playmaker like that in the back end, holy. Wow, this draft is really stacked, eh? Okay, now Jeff, he gets to go again because it's only fair. So he'll have uh, the 10th pick, but then obviously David and I will chime in who we actually would have taken instead. So 10 is actually Arizona. So who do the Arizona Cardinals take with who's available? Man, I mean, it's tough because you would think based on, you know, Rosen that I wouldn't pick a quarterback here. But I I think I just think Sam Darnold's a much better playmaker. And he's realistically dealing with a similar level of talent over there with the New York Jets. So I think it's gotta be Sam Darnold. Look, you don't get Kyle you don't get Kyler Murray there. But then hey, that changes your entire draft strategy for the next coming draft, right? So then maybe, you know, Joy Bosa does not go to San Francisco in the first place. Mm. Yeah, you know what? I think in that position, nine times out of ten, yeah. the, the team would take Sam Darnold there. Uh, I had Darius Leonard ahead of Sam Darnold. Okay. I don't think the team would have went there and picked him. He was a bit of a coin flip with Leighton Vander Esch. What's interesting to me, though, is that last pick, San Francisco took Mike McGlinchey in the first round. And Jeff, you did not go there with your pick, which I, I actually agree with. I think that would be a good fit in Arizona as well, getting somebody on the offensive line. I agree with that, for sure. Yeah, that that would have been a nice one as well. I would probably would have gone Darnold there too. And David, you, you know, you hit it on the head there. I, I, I was thinking Van Der Esch or Leonard, even Roquan Smith, seeing a little bit from him in Chicago now. And I think he'll just get better with time. So that, that was a little fun one. We're going to have to go way back and do you know, an older Jeff. We may have to do 2012, the Luck RG3 Wilson one. That would, would be a really fun one. I think you could argue there was 15 guys that could have went in the top 10 in that draft. That was absolutely stacked. Has to be one of the most stacked drafts in recent memory. And, and you think about Philip Lindsay went undrafted, where how high he would soar now. Nick Chubb, too. Nick Chubb's one of the best running backs in football this season. He was a second rounder. That was fun. Let's move on, though. Let's get to the, the actual always fun part. Winners, losers, studs, studs, sleepers. Uh, I'm going to start with a winner. I'm going to go with Marquan Manuel. So this is the Falcons' defensive coordinator. The Falcons have allowed 12 points in the last two games uh, versus two teams 500 or better. They forced four interceptions against Carolina. They held the Saints under 60 yards rushing with Alvin Kamara and obviously Latavius Murray. I, I, they're playing really good football. This guy, Manuel, or, you know, I, I think he's going to get a head coaching nod somewhere. Just because I don't think they, the D coordinator, he moved from either DB or wide receiver coach to, to go coach defense, basically, because it was that bad. We, we know how disappointing they've been, and Dan Quinn hadn't been doing anything. This guy steps up, and they've looked really good. This is the team I expected to be there in the playoffs. Obviously, they're not going to make that. He's my winner. Who do you got as a winner, Jeff? Well, I think, you know, you've, if you've been following this podcast, I mean, the whole year I'm pretty much on all, on the MVP race, and it's been, everybody's been going blow for blow, so I got to go with Lamar Jackson, you know, you know, especially with that game overall, I mean, he's got to give, you know, he's got to tip the hat to the defense there as well, because they're kind of knocking Deshaun Watson out, started out of this playoff race, and, you know, he's just looking so unbelievably, like, just unstoppable. Yeah. Well, like, what a player. Heck of a week uh, for Lamar Jackson. He's the redraft first overall pick and then Jeff's MVP pick for the season. So what a great year for him. My winner is the LA Rams. The, their defense held Chicago to seven points. Todd Gurley had 25 carries for nearly 100 yards and a touchdown. He added three catches for 36 yards. So two on that, Nolan, 28 touches in one game for Todd Gurley. I guess he's got a little left in the tank, huh? And you said their defense held Chicago to seven points. Chicago's offense sucks. Seven points, though? Seven points? 
With the way Jared hey. Goff has been throwing the ball, come on. You you have to admit there could have been a pick six or two in there. I think no matter who you play, I don't care if you play the worst team in the entire league, seven points is a damn good score. Atlanta held a way better offense there to nine. So uh, I'm going to give credit to my winner instead of the Rams, who are definitely <laughs> pretenders. Uh, but Crosby, I'll come right back to you. Give me a loser. My loser is the LA Chargers. Uh, I mean, Rivers is done, guys. Nolan and I were furiously texting each other on that last drive, and he actually, all credit to him, called that game-sealing interception right before it happened. But I said to Nolan, Philip Rivers reminds me of Peyton Manning in the last year of his career in Denver. He's throwing ducks out there, man. And the Chargers missed their chance to trade Melvin Gordon and other veterans and rebuild this year. Now it's just delayed another season. Jeff, you got a loser? Yeah, and I think you guys might have a, a good idea who that is, and that's definitely Mitchell Trubisky. Mm. I think it's it's pretty well over for him. You know, everybody has lost faith in him. You know, the TVs are probably going to be staying on in Chicago, so that's definitely a, it's going to be a very rough week for Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I'm going to stick in the NFC North for a loser, and it's actually Kirk Cousins. And the reason for this is he gets no damn love. All right, I tweeted out the other day, who's the better player? Player A who had all better stats than player B, and, you know, oh, oh it, was, it was a blind, and 73% of people voted that player A, who was Kirk Cousins, was better than player B, who was Aaron Rodgers. But, of course, Aaron Rodgers is third in MVP, you know, potential betting odds, and Kirk Cousins is, what, 10? Give me a break. Kirk Cousins is better, but, of course, he, you know, down 20 to nothing to Denver, and he storms all the way back. Dalvin Cook doing, you know, diddly squat, but he still gets no love. So shout out to you, Kirk. Even though you're a loser right now, it, it's a shame because you should be in the winning column. Now that I'm still hot, I, I'll, I'll go stud. I'll, I'll, I'll start off with a stud, and it's sticking with Atlanta, baby. How about Calvin Ridley against the Buccaneers? Julio, he hasn't scored a touchdown since week four. Ridley had 143 yards and one score in that Falcons route over the Panthers. Ridley's been really good, and I, I just think the Buccaneers' secondary is so damn bad that I'll go Calvin Ridley's a stud. Wasn't he in the 2018 draft as well? He was, I believe. He, uh, he was, yeah, he was at the 18, maybe picked. Another stud right there. There you go. Great pick, Nolan. My stud this week. Ezekiel Elliott. The Cowboys need to run to beat the Patriots. In New England's lone loss to the Ravens, they allowed 210 rushing yards and 26 first downs. The Ravens, like I mentioned earlier, 37 minutes of possession. The blueprint is there, and it's up to Zeke and Dak to follow it. Yeah, it's going to be a shame New England gets up early and you guys can't play when you're uh, from behind. But yeah, no, so be it. Yeah, Zeke, stud. All right, Jeff, who do you got as a stud? My stud is uh, Kittle for the 49ers going up against the Green Bay Packers and everybody thinks that their pass defense is great but according to Yahoo uh, Sports they, the uh, the Green Bay Packers are third when it comes to facing tight ends so I, I mean I gotta go with, with George Kittle who's on my own fantasy team yeah George Kittle you know Kind of a bummer that he was injured for a little bit, but yeah, can't wait to see him back on the field. I'll go Dud. I'm going to go Chris Carson in Seattle against Eagles. Great run defense. Carson, he has some fumble issues this year, which has uh, been pretty bizarre because usually he was actually okay at holding on to the football. Uh, Eagles, um, their secondary sucks. So you know Russell Wilson's going to be attacking that more often unless for some reason Seattle wants to just stay on the ground, which will make no sense. But uh, Carson would not be an ideal start. Jeff, give me a Dud. My dud is going to be Christian McCaffrey. And the Ooh. reason for that is because this is a rivalry game. The the New Orleans Saints, not that you know they're really in any threat of losing this division, but I find these these NFC South matchups are always rough. And I feel like he's going to have a very rough game. I think he might even fumble the, the ball a few times. I think they're going to be coming after CMC. And
in this one. Well, that's going to be the main focus for that Saints defense, right? Kyle Allen didn't look good last week. Yeah, that's a bold pick, Jeff. I, I'm going Emmanuel Sanders, 93%, and this has nothing to do with his talent. He practiced Thursday. He's been cleared for this game, but he left each of the last two weeks mid-game with an injury, held him to a combined 10 fantasy points in those two weeks. Do not trust him. Do not start him. He'll probably leave again. Well, great. I think I'm starting him in one league or two. I've got him in quite a few, but David, give me a sleeper. Who's, who's going to surprise some people this week? It's Darius Geis. He made his midseason debut. He did start at the start of the season before getting injured, injured Excuse me, against the Jets last week. He only had seven rushes for 24 yards, but he snagged a 45-yard catch-and-run touchdown. He faces the worst defense against running backs in fantasy this season out of Detroit. Play him with confidence. Yeah, you just want to see him get healthy. That's kind of the main thing, and he hasn't been uh, that over the last two years, but that was a nice uh, bright spot for him last week. Jeff, give me a sleeper. My sleeper is Hunter Renfro, and the reason is because those Oakland Raiders need to throw the ball. They're coming up against the New York Jets, who are, who are you know, they're streaking a little bit, but I think you know Hunter Renfro, 15% owned. You may want to pick him up last minute if you can. Hunter Renfro, that was my guy last week, and he uh, he's, he stepped up quite a bit. Uh, I'm going to go sleeper Rex Burkett. He's only in 6% of the leagues against Dallas, who's terrible against covering the screen. We saw that in that Vikings win uh, against, obviously, Dallas. Uh, Rex Burkett, I think that would be a, a pretty good uh, you know squeaker at your flex spot if uh, you know some of your guys are on buys. But guys, for David, for Jeff, my name is Nolan. That was Pick 6. We'll be back next week.